Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. We've got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close. The Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ all bouncing along the bottom. Worst level of the day, in fact, right now on the Dow, down 184. Uh, that is a drop there of eight-tenths of one percent. The S&P down 34, down 1.4 percent. NASDAQ slumping 130 points for the NASDAQ. NASDAQ Composite Index. That is a drop of 2.1%. The 10-year up 13.30 seconds, yield 2.20%. Gold up 12.30, the ounce up 1% to 12.88. West Texas Intermediate Crude is down at 2.2%, 48.48 a barrel on WTI. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. Well, you are listening to Bloomberg Markets, uh, and uh, the time for the ETF report. More about market volatility, minimum volatility strategies may be here to help. To learn more, please visit BlackRock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here's Bloomberg's Jenna Dagenhart. A popular cybersecurity ETF has drawn in more than a billion dollars, and now it has a new name thanks to an ownership fight. When you have a mega-hit product in an area where there's just not that much money flowing around, things happen. Money can definitely bring out the worst in people. That's Bloomberg ETF analyst Eric Bolchunas. He says this kind of legal battle can happen when a person with a good idea for an ETF doesn't have the money and has to take it to a white-label issuer. That's what happened with Hack, and the guy who brought the idea did all the work, is being edged out by the white label issuer. And it's kind of a shame because he really is the face. It was his idea. His Pure Fund Cybersecurity ETF still has the same ticker, hack, but it got renamed the ETFMG Prime Cybersecurity ETF. It also follows a new index. However, the index is almost exactly the same as the old one. So all the same stocks, some weighting differences. So all else told, you basically have the same thing. Um, and I think that's probably the takeaway. But for us in the industry, the drama was really interesting. I'm Jenna Dagenhart, and that's your Bloomberg ETF report. This is Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. Why do we never get an answer when we're some answers. We want them now, and we want them. I'm Jeff Crumpleman, the Chief Investment Officer at Riverpoint Capital. And well, the answers we want, the answers I want, Jeff, is is, is this market is so interesting to me, particularly right now the VIX. I've been watching the VIX all day, and it's surging. It's up above 16 right now, and I wonder what that's about. Well, you know, we do have a couple of uh, issues, North Korea and some of these geopolitical events that certainly has, has caused just a little bit of angst. And I think it's interesting, while we remain positive on the market over the next 12 months and really, uh, you know, for a decent close at the end of the year, we're coming into a tough seasonal kind of period. We've got Congress coming back and we're going to be talking about budget resolutions and government uh, potential uh, shutdown and, you know, debt ceiling debates and that kind of stuff. And we're just due after a period of excessive calm record levels of calm like we haven't seen, you know, you would expect the market to see a little increase in volatility and less of this calmness that we've seen. I feel like we keep hearing that we're going to expect volatility to come back, and yet the market keeps showing itself to be quite resilient, Uh, perhaps the exception being a day like today, which I'm wondering if it's almost a good thing that we're seeing somewhat of a react. A rational reaction to geopolitics, the first of which we've had in quite some time. 
Well, I, I would agree with you that, you know, a, a little bit of pullback and, and correction uh, we would embrace as a very healthy thing. The key is what you do in the midst of it, and you need to separate that in your mind and, you know, distinguish between a market top and just a pause or a consolidation. And when you have strong fundamentals, and we would argue, I know unlike many out there, that valuation is still quite reasonable and the technical backdrop is supportive, that's when you want to take advantage of these kind of pullbacks. And if you do have excess cash on hand, you want to invest it, you want to hold your positions, and you can always realign a certain stocks during earnings seasons, uh, pull back a little bit more, uh, and, and you, want to, you want to take advantage of that and maybe make some trades and realign just a little bit. But, yeah, we would view it as a healthy, normal thing, and in the fundamental uh, context, a great thing to take advantage of. So uh, in terms of making those trades, I mean, what are you looking at that looks more interesting? Do you look at things that might have uh, less momentum or you think momentum comes back and you look at some of those things you might not want to own uh, for your grandchildren, but you might want to own, uh, you know, for, for, for a little bump for the rest of the summer? You know, we, we take a longer-term view, and we, we do blend longer-term secular growth stocks and consistent growth stocks with what you're talking about, more trading-oriented stocks. We do put an element of that in the portfolio. So, you know, when you take a look at financials, we think that that's probably the richest area that is still cheap and gives you that cyclical bump that you're talking about and actually some drivers that could be, you know, somewhat longer in tooth. You would have to be interested in energy, uh, and hopefully you're underweight that area and have not been overly punished, and, and we are, so you're dealing from strength there. But some of these cyclical areas, sure, you would be looking to perhaps trim, as we've been overweighted and in some of the sexier names, if you will, within technology, don't get rid of them. We think that they still have upside, but maybe trim back on those at, at these levels and move a little bit more into something like financials. So that's the type of stuff we're doing. And I would argue, too, that healthcare looks particularly attractive right now with some wonderful growth rates, Celgene, for example, and a biotech, where you get 20% visible growth trading in a mentees multiple. Uh, Allergan would fall in that category, too, as a specialty pharma play very attractively priced with nice growth rates. So yes, that's those are the types of things we would be doing. I'm wondering though for some of these names, especially the technology stocks that some would argue look quite frothy, if just pairing back is enough to protect protect you from days when we saw a few months ago when technology sells off quite violently falling from those high valuations. If pulling back really can protect you in those sorts of environments. Well, you know, you're never going to get it. That's why you, you have a diversified portfolio, and you're never going to have consistent, everyday growth in your portfolio. But you don't want to let go of these things. Um, you know, this is not the tech bubble days, and it doesn't matter if you're talking about Facebook or Alibaba or Amazon or Google, um, those types of names which we do have in our portfolios. You are still looking at uh, PE levels that are at or below their growth rates. And when you look at the secular growth they do have and the drivers, there's there's runway there. So right, but, unlike, but what if? But what about the other stocks, sir? What about the Netflix of uh, the free cash flow burners like Netflix and and Tesla that are also part of those sort of uh, high risers? 
Well, you know, you have to pick your points, and we're not the S&P 500, and if you have an index fund, you get index-like returns. So we, we are an active manager, uh, and so, you know, you have to, to look at relative value, and that's what we do. And we just think that there uh, are, are superior business models and more visible growth and catalysts and names like Facebook uh, than some of the other things that you mentioned, cleaner balance sheets uh, that, that make it more attractive than a Tesla and a, and a Netflix, in our view, going forward. So that's why we're focused on those names. Jeff, certainly a lot of micro events affecting those names, but of course we have central banks top of mind. Uh, any any sort of adjustments you're likely to make to your portfolio coming up uh, if the Fed starts to unwind its balance sheet or raise interest rates? Sure. Yeah, everyone, you know, you can't help but the Fed to come into the discussion at some point. So I think the, the key concern that we have is, and it's related to the Fed, is that we've seen a nice acceleration in earnings growth. And coming into the year, we were pretty, uh, you know, bold in saying that we think uh, the S&P 500 should end the year 2,500 plus, and it has nothing to do with Trump and growth policies, but it's because of earnings growth. That narrative could change. We think the Fed will be measured. We think the last time uh, that Janet Yellen testified, she was clear that she even thought the neutral interest rate had come in a little bit, which suggests they would be slow and measured. But if for some reason the dollar strengthens significantly as the Fed, and we do think they'll hike in December, that'd be a headwind to earnings. Indeed. Jeff Crumpleman, thank you very much. CIO at Riverpoint Capital. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio.